Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. First time I heard that song, I was uh, the preacher at a, at a church camp, our Methodist camp up in Leesburg, and they, for that week, had hired this band no one had ever heard of before. It was just a band that worked camps uh, called Mercy Me, and uh, they were real. I got to eat all my meals sitting with these guys, and they were great. They were a great worship band. And, um, and they were really excited because the next month, it was July, in August, uh, Amy Grant was coming out with a new album, and they were going to sing one of her songs, one of their songs that they had written called I Can Only Imagine. And most of, some of you know that before Amy's hit the radio, their version hit the radio, and they blew up and became a big band, but uh, I heard that for the first time. And a little more to the story, there was a camper at this camp, uh, I think she was a sophomore, named uh, Emily Sterling, and, uh, and that's when Emily and I met, and have known each other ever since. Uh, our reading today is from Ephesians. You may have noticed that all the readings in August have been from Ephesians, that's kind of where we're focused this month. Today it's Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. Paul writes, so be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your heart. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus tells a story about two home builders. One builds a house on a good, solid, strong, stable foundation of bedrock. You know the story, right? And the the rains come, and the waters rise, and the waves beat against the house, and the wind blows, and what happens to the house? Nothing. It's solid. It's strong. It's immovable. The other home builder doesn't bother finding a good foundation, just builds it on sand. And so during the storm when the waters are rising and the waves are pounding and the wind is blowing, what happens to the house? It washes away. Like, so we know this story. You've heard this story before. The line that I think often gets forgotten in this very familiar story is the first line. Jesus says, Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus has been teaching, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, these teachings, and puts them into practice is like the wise builder. This is how Jesus defines wisdom. Hearing truth and putting it into practice. Hearing what Jesus teaches and acting upon Jesus' teaching. That's wisdom. Hearing and doing. Learning and acting. It's not just one or the other. Uh, We all know that we're perfectly capable of learning lots of things that we never act on, right? I am perfectly knowledgeable about how to diet and exercise. I know how to be frugal with my money. I'm familiar with the state of Florida's driving laws, right? That doesn't mean that I put any of that into practice. You may know your company's policies. You may know that it's good for you to get eight hours of sleep at night. You may know how to honor your spouse and keep them happy. It doesn't mean we always do it. Knowing something and doing something aren't the same. Wisdom is bringing the two together. So Jesus also says, Matthew 7, 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, doesn't put them into practice, will be like what? A fool. Earlier, Chris read to us from the book of Proverbs. If you want to learn about wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs. That's what the whole book is about. And in chapter 8, Proverbs is actually personified. Proverbs speaks like a person. Now children, like a parent. Now children, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Listen to instruction and be wise. Don't avoid it. So as I mentioned, we're teaching from Ephesians this month. We're calling this series The Call. We're not talking specifically about the the vocational call that many of us have to a a particular profession. We just prayed over Britain who senses a call to ministry. And, and, And the difference in this series is this is the call on everyone. That there is a, a general universal call for all people who follow Jesus to live their lives in a certain kind of way, to be different than the rest of the world, to be in the world but not of the world, Paul says. We started by talking about the call to be part of community, not to live our lives in isolation. We talked last week about imitating Christ and what we say and what we do, and today we're talking about wisdom. Now, as I said, these are all teachings from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was written to a young, immature, um, baby church in the city of Ephesus, a Greek city, a Roman city, a port city, a place very different than the, the kind of culture Paul was trying to establish within the church. And his concern was that the Ephesian Christians, the Christians who were new to the faith, oftentimes were doing more imitation of the culture around them in Ephesus than they were of Christ. And so he just starts calling out all kinds of behaviors he has concerns about. Drunkenness, lying, stealing, corruption, greed, bitterness, anger, slander, sexual immorality, obscene language. Isn't it a relief to be in a world where none of that exists anymore? Are you listening to me? (laughs) So he says to the church in Ephesus, be careful to live your life 
wisely. Be careful to live your life wisely. In his mind, those are not wise ways to live. Be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Be careful to live your life wisely. Now, I, I, I want to I push that a little bit. Paul doesn't say, be good. Could y'all just be good? Quit being so bad. He doesn't say, live your life morally. Could y'all just be more moral? He doesn't say, you know, y'all need to get in shape and obey all the rules. Didn't I leave you a list of rules? He doesn't say, can't you just be more religious? That's what I'm really trying to do here is start a more religious people. He doesn't even say, I need y'all to quit sinning. Now, all of that is implied. (laughs) All of that is, is probably part of it. But he specifically says, instead of those things, live your life. How? Wisely. Live your life with wisdom, not foolishness. Paul's concerns, I said this last week, Paul's concerns is not primarily that we become more religiously legalistic, though it certainly happens sometimes. Paul's concern is that we become wise. Paul's desire is that we be wise. Paul's desire is that we become more like Christ. So I wonder this morning, as as I talk about wisdom, as you hear the word wisdom or someone being wise, I wonder for you who comes to mind. When you think about the people in your life who are wise, who do you think think of? If you need wisdom, who, who do you turn to? And what is it about that person or those persons that to you represents wisdom? And, I wonder, who looks to you for wisdom? Who needs you to be a wise person for them? Let me just ask a question for a moment. How many of you would like to be considered wise by others? Does anybody not want that? Like, like, I don't know, that doesn't sound appealing. I think most of us would love to be wise. And Jesus tells us how. Listen to what I'm saying And put it into practice. And what is wisdom? We think of wisdom as being people who are very intelligent, knowledgeable. You know, those people who seem to really have depth of insight into reality and how the world works. Sometimes they're formally educated. But but many of the people that I think of who are wise, it isn't because they're so educated that they're wise. It isn't because of the number of degrees they have hanging on their wall. It's because they seem to have a depth of insight into the way reality works. In fact, in some ways, wisdom seems closely related to just good old common sense. It's often born from, you know, kind of the hard knocks of life. People who have experienced life, they've been through something, and they've been open to learning. They, they, don't, they don't feel defeated by their mistakes. They grow through their mistakes. They don't deny their failures. They learn and grow from their failures. Wisdom is closely related to uh, the gift of discernment, the ability to discern what is right and good in a given moment, in a given relationship, in a given situation, in a given context. An example of, of, of wisdom, I think, has been what we've been seeking to do throughout this pandemic. 
you may remember, this pandemic came out of nowhere. It, you know, it was that thing that was happening over, you know, across the seas. And all of a sudden, it was here. There were no rule books for the pandemic. There was no rule. I didn't take a class in seminary. Like, this is how you lead a church through a global pandemic. We never even talked about such a thing. And it continues to go on and evolve now with the Delta variant. And all the while, what we've tried so hard to do is be wise. What's the wise thing to do? How do we, how do we pair like keeping people safe and meeting people's needs and what's responsible and what would be careless? Wisdom. God, help us to discern how to navigate this difficult. And we keep asking for that. Now, wisdom is not necessarily always the most popular thing to do. And it doesn't always resonate with what we wish we could do. I once read a book, I heard someone say, uh, the most important question we can ever ask is, is this the wise thing to do? Is it wise? Think about that for a moment in your own life. How might you apply that question? Is this decision, is this choice, is this action the wise thing to do? The greatest question ever isn't, what do I feel like doing? The greatest question ever is, what, what will make me feel good? The greatest question isn't, is it popular, or is it less expensive, or is it less controversial? The question isn't, is this what we've always done? Or what are the rules? Or do I have to? Or what are my rights and freedoms? Or who's making me? Those aren't the right questions. The question is, is it wise? Is this the wise thing to do. And, and if you would just bear with me for a moment, I want to take this just a little bit further. If we understand wisdom in this way, that it's really a, a gift of discerning what is right and good in a given situation, and if, and if the Bible is the place we go to learn the teachings of Jesus, the principles of which we apply in, in trying to be wise people, if we understand wisdom this way, then the Bible becomes something different than the way we often treat it. It then becomes neither just a, a, an easy rule book of answers, like just do this, whether you like it or not, nor does it become a book that we just toss out because it seems irrelevant or out of date. Our, our choices with the Bible are no longer limited to just blind obedience or just rejecting it as irrelevant. We can read the Bible as instructions for wisdom. Here are wise people whose wisdom is timeless. It's a place we can go to hear Christ speak. And when we read the Bible and we come upon something that we don't necessarily understand or we don't know how to apply today or we don't even like, we don't have to narrow our choices to either swallowing it whole or rejecting it. We can sit with it. We can sit with the teaching and say, what, what am I supposed to learn from this? What would it look like if I applied this in my life? What would be a wise way to apply this in my life, my situation now, today? How is this teaching wise? I mentioned earlier that Proverbs 8 personifies wisdom. I want you to hear it again. Wisdom, the person, the mother of wisdom, it's feminine, the, word, the Greek word for for wisdom is Sophia. Sophia speaks to us saying, the Lord formed me from the beginning before God created anything else. 
I was appointed in ages past, at the very first, before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born. Before the Lord made the earth and the fields and the first handfuls of soil, I was there when God established the heavens, when God drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when God set the the clouds above, when God established springs deep in the earth. I was there when God set the limits of the sea so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when God marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect. At God's side. I love that image. That before God made anything else, think about the old Genesis story, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Before God made light, God made wisdom. That there was this partner with God in creating all things, Sophia, wisdom. Wisdom preceded creation, and wisdom is woven into the very fabric of creation, of all that we see and all that we don't see, all that's material and all that's spiritual. The God's architect, wisdom, was there at God's side, guiding every step of creation. Wisdom participated and cooperated with every aspect of God's design. Reality is based, formed, in wisdom. It's the very nature of our existence is rooted in wisdom. Isn't that an interesting idea? In some ways, even when you read this, it almost sounds like Sophia, wisdom is like the fourth person of the Trinity. That doesn't make sense theologically, but it sounds like it. Any of you watch HGTV? Any one of those like this old house, you know, on, on PBS or, or the HGTV shows. They go in, they buy an old house, and they renovate it. And every, inevitably, every one of the shows, they rip the house down to the studs, right? And they want to open it up, open floor plan. And, and so before they tear out walls, though, you know, we don't want that wall there. One of the things they've got to figure out is, does that wall support the roof, right? Is that roof holding up the second floor? Or we'd really rather have the bathroom here than instead of over there. So how are we going to move the plumbing and the electrical, right? Or we're going to move the kitchen over there. How are we going to move the plumbing to that place? Inevitably, they have to ask, how was this house originally designed? Before we go mucking with it, before we go changing it, we need to figure out what was the original What did the original builder have in mind? What did the original architect have in mind? And they need to work accordingly. In fact, sometimes as they're tearing things down, they realize somebody before them hasn't done that and compromised the structure of the house. In essence, that's what wisdom is saying to us in Proverbs 8. There is a design to the universe. And when you go mucking around with it, you might just be ripping out the foundation. Wisdom is saying, this is reality as God intended it. This is how things are supposed to work. Work with reality and you'll be blessed. Things will go well. If you work against reality, it won't work. Let me ask you this. Have you ever sought advice from someone? And then when they told you some deep wisdom, you said back, I knew you were going to say that. Or someone says something profoundly wise to you and you go, duh. How did I not know that? That sounds so obvious. Wisdom isn't some great hidden esoteric idea, right? It's not some complex thing that's out of sight. 
Wisdom is just the way things work. And the problem is that oftentimes we want things to work some other way. To work according to my impulse or my feelings or my, my drives, right? Wisdom says, this is how things work. Work with it and it'll work out. Almost always, everywhere. I asked you earlier, who wants to be wise? Wisdom is so universally respected, but so seldom practiced. And so the Bible is clear in the book of, book of uh, Proverbs and Paul's teaching and Jesus' teaching. The opposite of wisdom is what? Foolishness. There's not options, like there's foolish people and there's wise people and there's us in the middle. No, there's two options. Wisdom or foolishness. If we understand that, that, that wisdom has been part of the, the, the fabric, the architecture of the universe, then when we, when we work against wisdom, when we act foolishly, it's like, it's like going against the grain. Or if wisdom is part of the tapestry of creation, it's like trying to pull the thread and see if it unravels. It's, it's denying reality as it is. It's trying to live contrary to the design. And when we do that, foolishness has consequences. It's like building a house on sand that can't stand up against the storm. So Proverbs 8, 35 through 36, wisdom calls out, those who find me find life. They gain favor from the Lord. Those who offend me injure themselves. Now, did you hear that? Those who offend me injure themselves. They bring it on themselves. All those who hate me love death. That sounds so much like Romans uh, 6.23 where Paul says the wages of sin is what? It's death. That there is a way to live this life that is life-giving. That when we live according to wisdom, it is life-giving. It's because wisdom is in alignment with God, the life-giver. But sin is foolishness. And foolishness leads to spiritual death and sometimes physical death. Paul urges wisdom. Ephesians 5, 17, don't be ignorant, but understand God's will. In essence, understand the basic architecture of reality and live accordingly. Rob Bell writes, sin is anything we do to disrupt the peace and harmony God desires for the world. Nadia Bowles-Weber writes, in the end, we aren't punished for our sins as much as we are by our sins. And Richard Rohr writes, we take our own pattern, we take all, we all take our own pattern of thinking as normative, logical, and surely true, even when it does not fully compute. We keep doing the same thing over and over again, even when it's not working for us. Seems humans would rather die than change or admit we are mistaken. I don't know if you're familiar with 12-step groups like Alcoholics Anonymous. 12-step groups have a definition of insanity that they use a lot. You know it? Insanity is doing the same behavior over and over and over but expecting a different result. The alcoholic keeps turning to the bottle hoping that this time it will produce a different result. The narcotic does the same thing, turns to drugs, hoping this time this high will produce a different role. The gambler, that this, this will produce the different result. Whatever it might be, that even though it's been destructive every time before, this time it's going to give me 
what I need. That's the definition of insanity. Well, by the way, folks, addicts aren't the only ones who are insane. How many of us revert to the same patterns of behavior relationally, professionally, spiritually, expecting this time it'll work out different, even though reality has shown us over and over and over that it just doesn't work. So the message version of Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. So I suppose the obvious question with a sermon like today is, well, okay, if wisdom matters so much, how do I become wise? Jesus makes it pretty clear for us. Just listen to what I teach and do it. Anybody hears what I have to say and does it, that's a wise person like a man who builds his house on a rock. Paul also puts it pretty simple. He says, just imitate Christ. Quit imitating the Ephesians. Quit imitating the world around you. Just imitate Christ. They're pretty basic instructions. Maybe it's just asking questions of ourselves rather than just reading it and then walking away. Maybe when we read scripture or hear it preached or whatever the case may be, it's taking a moment to apply it to our lives. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Maybe it's taking a moment saying, do I? Do I love God with all my heart, all my strength? All my mind, all my soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it's taking a moment and pondering, well, who are my neighbors? Not just my friends. Who are my neighbors and how do I love them? Jesus says, love your enemies. Who are my enemies? And do I love them? And how do I show them my love? Am I serving Christ and who he called the least of these? The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the alien, the widow, the orphan. Do I practice the golden rule, treating others the way I want to be treated? Do I forgive as I wish to be forgiven? Do I put my whole trust in Christ? He says, you know, ask for daily bread. Am I humble like Christ? Am I generous with what I've been given? Am I using the gifts that God has given me to the fullest? Do I actively seek to live in the kingdom of God every day? How am I taking up my cross? and following Jesus daily. And here's the really, really good news. If you wish to be wise, God wishes it even more. It says in James 1.5, anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature it is to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. Let's pray. And as we go to God in prayer, I'd like for you just for a moment to consider what, what, what in your life do you need wisdom for right now? What, what decision, what problem, what situation do you need wisdom? Why not in these moments just simply ask God to provide it? God, would you make me wise for?
Would you make me wise about trusting that God will provide? Perhaps it'll be something that just settles in your heart. Perhaps it'll be something you read in Scripture. Perhaps it'll be something someone says. Perhaps it'll be some wise person who speaks wisdom to you. Trust that as you ask for wisdom today, that it will be provided. It may not be in this moment. It may not be in the next hour. But wisdom is on the way. We trust that, oh God. Make us wise and make us lovers of wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.